Have you ever wanted to tell somebody something so bad and you just couldn't contain it anymore? You just couldn't hold it in. You just wanted to tell them so badly how you felt about them. You wanted to tell them so badly just to, to make them understand the, the care that you had for them and the love that you had for them. This happened to me once um, back when I was dating my wife. Uh, we have been, it'll be 20 years of marriage this year coming up on the 26th of December. We got married the day after Christmas, 1998. Uh, we uh, ruined Christmas, 98, yeah. You know, we made my entire family spend the night in a hotel on Christmas night and uh, ruined the Christmas celebration. It was great. It was great. It was fantastic. 20 years of marriage this year. It's, it's, it's so we, and we've known each other for 22 years. And, and my wife uh, is, uh, she has a rule. She had a rule. She had a rule uh, at the time we were dating that she didn't want to hear me say the words, I love you, until we were engaged. She's like, I, I don't want empty words. I don't want empty promises. If you're going to tell me that you love me, you've got to, You've you got to put a ring on it, you know, and all the single ladies. Anyway, um, so uh, thank you, Beyonce. Um, but uh, she's like, you know, if you're going to tell me, uh, I want to believe it. And, and you better mean it. And, and you better, you know, back it up with action. Don't just tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. And, you know, you got to, I, I don't want to hear it until, until you tell me, un until you ask me to marry you. And, and, and I remember this one day, uh, I was, she was doing an internship uh, up in Chicago at the First Christian Church of Chicago. It's the summer of 97. We've been dating for probably five, six months, and I love this girl. I mean, I just loved this girl. Still do. I love this girl, and um, I wanted to tell her so bad that I loved her, and she just said, no, don't tell me that you love me. And I'm like, I want to tell you. She's like, don't tell me. I want to tell you. Don't tell me. We went to a movie, and I'm thinking that it was, I don't remember the exact movie it was, but I'm thinking it was one of the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movies, like You Got Mail or something like that, one of those. And so it just totally gets me in the mood to be loving and to tell her that I love her, you know, because Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, what can you do? And so I, I, we're riding in the car, we're leaving the movie theater, we're leaving the mall and, and, and the movie theater, and we're, we're driving away, and I'm just, I'm overcome with emotion and I want to tell her so badly that I love her. I, that's all I want to tell her is I just, I, I, I want to, I, anyway, um, so we're, uh, we're, we're in the car and I'm like, I want to tell you something. She's like, don't do it. And, 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 and so, and, and at the time I was like, I was an on mood stabilizer. So um, <laughs> I've told you before, <laughs> mental illness. Anyway, anyway, so um, uh, it's true. Anyway, um, so we're in the car, and uh, I'm like, I want to tell you so bad. And she's like, don't tell me, not until we're engaged. And, it's like, and I started crying. I started bawling my eyes out. And I'm just like, I want to tell you so bad. You won't let me tell you. And, and I'm trying to drive in Chicago traffic uh, with tears in my eyes and no mood stabilizer. So anyway, um, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way about somebody? You know, eventually she let me tell her, by the way, uh, and we got engaged in September, and I could finally tell her anyway, and, and I try and tell her every day. Um, but, oh, man, have you ever felt that way about somebody? I, and, may, and maybe you have, and, and maybe it's about your kids. You know, you just want your kids to understand how much you love them and, and how much you care about them and, and how you have their best interests at heart all the time that, that you can't stop thinking about your children. You can't stop thinking about how much you love them. If you don't, you should. Yeah, but I'm just saying that you want to tell your kids that you love them and that you, you're not staying up at night plotting ways to ruin their lives. A promise, a promise. Teenagers in the room, your parents are not trying to ruin your life. They love you and they really do care about you and they really want the best for you. 
And you think about it nonstop. You, you worry about your kids and you love your kids and you just want to, if there was some way that you could just put it into words, just how much you love your kids and, and how much and how proud you are of them and, and how even though they drive you nuts sometimes that you still, you're just madly, crazily in love with them. I wonder if it's the same way for God. That God looks down on earth, he looks all around him and sees us he just wants us to know I love you world I love every single one of you every single one of you on on the planet I love you all and I just want to tell you that over and over again and not only do I want to tell you that I love you I want to I want to show you that I love you that God wants the world to know that he loves every single one of us all of us that God loves us all. And God wants us to know. And how does God do that? God who is spirit, how does he communicate to the world that he loves us? How does he communicate to the entire world his love and his care and his concern for every single one of us? That's why we have Christmas. See, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is how God loved the world so much that he gave us his son, that he sent his son. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, God needed a way. He needed a way to show the world his love. He needed a way to tell us how much he loved us and how much he cares for us. He needed to do that. God needed Christmas. Now that may sound strange to your ears. It may sound, kind of sound strange to say that God who is all-knowing and all-powerful and self-sufficient, to say that God needed anything seems almost heretical. Because God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need any of us. He wants us. He wants to spend forever with us. He doesn't need us. He's all good on his own. But he wants us. And he wanted to communicate that to us. And that's why we have Christmas. We're going to continue on in a series that we started last week called Who Needs Christmas? And maybe you're at that point now. Maybe you're at the point where we're like eight days away. We're eight days from Christmas. And maybe you're just thinking to yourself, man, who needs this? I'm tired of the hustle. I'm tired of the bustle. I'm tired of spending money and spending money and racking up credit card debt. I'm tired of the green and the garland and the, and the cat knocking the, the ornaments off the tree. I'm just sick and tired of it all. And I just, who needs this? Well, we started talking last week about how the world needed Christmas. Because the world was a very violent and dark place. At the time when Jesus was born, it was a... Uh, leading up to that, it was a very violent and, and very dark place. 2,000 years before Jesus was born, God appeared to a man named Abraham. And he, and he told him that he was going to be a, a father of, great na- of a great nation. And that through his children, the entire world would be blessed. The only problem was Abraham didn't have any children. And Abraham was really old. He was 75 years old when God appeared to him. And you know, he was almost 100 by the time a uh, baby was born. He was old man, but yet he did have a son, and his name was Isaac. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons. Not going to tell you all their names. 
I know them. Maybe. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, Abraham became the father of a great nation. And it was through that nation that God blessed the whole world. Because the world needed blessing. The world needed Christmas. And, and at just the right time, God sent his son. And, and it was a perfect time to send Jesus. Because there was peace in the Roman Empire. All the civilized, conquered nations were getting along with one another. There was one common culture and one common language. And that common language was Greek and everybody spoke Greek. And then uh, they had a, a, an elaborate transportation system to be able to get from one city to the next. And the word of, about Jesus, the word about God's Son, could be spread throughout the entire known world relatively easily. And so it was the perfect time for God to send His Son. And that's what the Apostle Paul told the church at Galatia. The, the churches in Galatia, uh, Paul said in, Rome, in Galatians 4, he said, but when the time, set time had fully come, God sent His Son. When the time was right, when the time was perfect, God sent His Son. That God wanted to reach out to the world and to show the world, not just tell the world, but to demonstrate to the world His love for the world. When the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son. So why would God do that? Why would God come to earth as a baby? Right? Couldn't He have just sent another prophet? No, because they killed all the prophets before Him. Couldn't He have sent just an angel to appear to the world and say, Hey world, God's going to forgive all your sins. Why did he send him as a, as a baby? In Galatians 4, 5, it says that, that God sent his son who was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That God sent his one and only son as, a, as an infant baby, as a tiny baby. And, and through him, and he was sent, uh, he, he became like us. He became like us so that we could become like him. This is how God chose to demonstrate his love to the world, that God sent his son, born of a woman, in other words, born just like we are born, born under the law. He didn't come to make a new law. He didn't come to be a law unto himself. He didn't come to, to, to change the law. He came to fulfill the law, but he was born under the law so that he might redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters. That he changed our status and he changed our lives and he's changed our destiny. That we are no longer going to be uh, under the law, but we are under grace. No longer are we uh, uh, outsiders and, and no longer are we outside the family. No, we are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted into his family. We are made sons and daughters of the king. We are his children. And it's because God sent his son, Jesus. And he sent him to, to be our savior. So God sent his son, born of a woman, in, in, in human flesh, to experience what we experience. To breathe the air that we breathe. Uh, he, he breathed the same air. Uh, to, to, have his, to have blood coursing through his veins, just regular old Red blood cells, not green Vulcan blood or anything like that, but real human blood 
He had hair. He ate food. He drank water and wine. And, I mean, he was, he was human in every way. And yet he was fully God in human flesh. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And the reason that, that he did this, see, God wanted to do something personal. So God had to do something relational. He wanted to have a personal relationship with every man and woman and child on this planet. So he did something relational. He sent a son, a human being with whom we could have a relationship. God wanted to make it personal. So God had to do something relational. God needed Christmas in order to get it done. God needed Christmas in order to get it done. And so God made Christmas. It was his idea from the very beginning to send his son to make it personal for you and for me. Question is, is how would we know where we stood with God if he didn't come to stand with us? How would we know where we stood with God if he didn't come to stand with us? And that's what he did. Jesus came to earth, God in human flesh, he came to earth and he stood with us and he, he walked our sod, he breathed our air, he had the same blood, the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. How would we know where we stood with God if God had not come to stand with us? And that's exactly what he did. He came to earth so that we could go to heaven. God wanted to demonstrate his love. And that's exactly what he did. Paul wrote the, the book to, uh, the letter to the Galatian churches. He also wrote a, a, a letter to the church at Rome. And this is what he told them in, in Romans 5, 7, 8. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And for Paul, this is incredibly personal. You see, Paul considered himself, the Apostle Paul, he was an enemy of Jesus. He was an enemy of God. Then he uh, persecuted the church. He put Christians in prison. He oversaw their deaths. That, that God uh, was, uh, that Jesus was, he was uh, uh, totally against Jesus. That Jesus was a fraud. That Jesus was not the Messiah. And he was totally against Jesus and he persecuted the church. He persecuted God's people. And then Jesus changed Paul's life. And Paul went from being the, the persecutor of the church, the persecutor of Jesus, to being Jesus' biggest cheerleader and missionary. And he went out throughout the, the entire Roman world and started churches. And, and, and what Paul says here, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That God knew everything. Like I said, this is personal for Paul. That God knew everything that Paul was going to do. He knew everything he was going to do. He knew that he was going to persecute the church. He knew that he was going to oversee Stephen's death. He knew that he was going to throw Christians into prison. And yet, Paul says, Christ still died for me. 
And God knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you will ever do. He knows every sin you've ever committed. He knows every word that you've ever said. He knows every thought you've ever thought. Every sinful, disobedient action. Every time you've, you've shook your fist at heaven and say, I'm going to do it my way. I want to do this my way. Uh, and every time you've rebelled. And every time that we've disobeyed, God knows every single thing about us. And yet, while we were still sinners, and like I said before, the, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek construction of this phrase literally means that while we were still sinning, that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us, that even though Jesus knew everything that we would ever do, he knew everything that we would ever say, every action that we would ever commit, every sinful act that we would ever commit, that Christ still died for us. And that is the demonstration of God's love. That's how much he loves you and me. That's how much he loves us that even though we were sinners and even while we were still sinning, Christ chose to die for us. He was put to death on a Roman cross by the Jewish leaders and the Romans. He was put to death on a Roman cross. And in Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, uh, Jesus' disciples said to the Jewish leaders, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. That Jesus is the author of life. He has given us life. Our very lives are gifts from God. Our very lives are gifts from Jesus. And what do we do with them? Like I said, we we rebel. <laughs> We sin against one another. We sin against God. We, we shake our fist at heaven saying, I'm going to do this my way. We disobey and we rebel. And we turn our backs against God all the time, daily. And instead of giving our lives back to God, we, we run away from Him. How can you kill the author of life? But God raised Him from the dead. And Jesus is alive forevermore, and he's coming back someday. You see, God needed to stage a demonstration of his love. And you cannot demonstrate love without a sacrifice. Love must be shown to be known. Love must be shown to be known. Jesus showed us his love when he went to the cross he demonstrated God's love when he came to earth and when he went to the cross love must be shown to be known and maybe you know this maybe you realize this maybe you've seen it evidenced in your life maybe with your kids or your spouse or your grandparents or your parents or your or your grandkids your friends your neighbors that you know that love cannot be words only that love must be shown to be known and if you want somebody to know that you love them you've got to show it and that's what God did that God said I love you world and I'm going to show you how much I love you he staged a demonstration of his love when Christ went to the cross he staged a demonstration of his love when Jesus died for our sins love must be shown to be known and that's what God did and it started when an angel appeared to a man named Joseph. Joseph was engaged to Mary. 
and Mary found out that she was pregnant, what would Joseph do? What was Joseph going to do with this information? What was Joseph going to do with this pregnant fiance? Was he going to disgrace her and expose her to public shame? Was he just going to lie about it and just kind of put her away quietly? Was he still going to marry her? I mean, it's obvious that, you know, he hadn't uh, had relations with her, and yet she did with somebody because all of a sudden she's pregnant. You know, did she cheat on him? How could he marry her knowing that, that she cheated on him? How could they do that? How could he do that? And that's when an angel appeared to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. He says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God was not just with the people of the Bible. No, God was not just with the, the, the prophets and the kings of the Old Testament. He was not just with the disciples. He was not just with the people of the, the Reformation. He was not just with the people of the Restoration. No, God is still with us. Jesus is still Emmanuel, and he is still with us. That God came to earth to be with us and for us and on our side. I, I think that's why we love a verse like John 3.16 so much. It's, it's like the most popular verse. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That everybody knows John 3.16. And the amazing thing about John 3.16 is that it's personal. Oh, we tend to think of it, oh, God so loved the world. Well, guess what? You're a part of that world. You are a part of the world. That God so loved you that he gave his one and only son for you. That if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance and turning to God for forgiveness, confessing your faith, getting baptized, God washes away your sins and he changes your destiny and he fills you with the Holy Spirit and he uh, comes to be in you. This is personal. It's not some nebulous thing out there for the world. This is for you. That God so loves you that he sent his one and only son for you. And for me too. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you. And I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you know, you've heard the Christmas story a thousand times. Or, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it. Maybe this is your first time ever being in a church. And maybe you've wondered, what is this whole church thing all about? And who is this Jesus guy? And, and why does God care about me at all? Why is God interested in my life at all? Because God made you. He is the author of your life. And he loves you. Whether you believe it or not, God loves you. Whether you believe in him or not, he still loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus, because he wants to spend forever with you. And Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And when he went to the cross, 
He died for your sins. He took your sins upon himself. He took your punishment when he took your place. And now you can have the gift of eternal life. And it is a gift that is only received by the grace of God. You can receive this gift today. We're going to offer an invitation in just a few moments. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've never been baptized, you can do that today. It closes you to change into warm water. And we're ready for you if you're ready to make that decision. If you're ready to make that choice, if you're ready to make that choice for yourself, a personal choice for a personal relationship with a personal God. Today is your chance. Today is your opportunity. You see, God had to be with us so that we could know that he was for us. God is on your side, my friend. God is on your side. He is on our side. He is not against us, but rather he is for us. He is for you. He is for me. And he wants you to be on team Jesus because he's on team you. And he wants to spend forever with you. We needed a demonstration. Love must be shown to be known. We needed a demonstration. And God needed Christmas to demonstrate his love for the world. But God wasn't the only one who needed Christmas. Someone else did too. And we're going to talk about that next week.